Hello, my name is Taylor Clement. I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And welcome back to the Kirk Day School podcast. So this is week two of the podcast, but we're finishing week three of school, and that is a really solid place to be. As one parent pulled up this week um, on Tuesday morning, they said, congratulations, you made it to September which normally I would take as an insult. This year I take that as like the Super Bowl trophy, so yeah. the, or the Lombardi trophy as it's more formally known. But it's a big deal. It is. It's exciting. Uh, and I think there's still at times a sense of we've got to be thankful for every day that right. we're here. Uh, but, yeah, it's so exciting we made it two weeks, three weeks now. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's huge. So we're going to talk about a few of the reasons why we think we made it this far uh, what some numbers are looking like that are coming to us today as we kind of just unpack COVID a little bit. And then we're also going to kind of share what we see coming down the pike, a few predictions, and just so you guys uh, that are listening to this can prepare for that as well. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's start with this really where we've been. We are finishing week three and we have zero uh, on-campus cases. We've had families, I want to be clear, others within our community that have experienced COVID and have been positive, but they've quarantined appropriately, they've cleared the protocol that they need to come back, and they've been very diligent in doing that. But as far as new campuses, or new cases, excuse me, on campus, we're still at zero. Yes, praise the Lord. Yes. Still at zero. I think all of the steps that we're taking, we're being diligent in trying to maintain those things, death shields, masks, washing hands. And I think it's, it's worked. Yeah, it really has. So let's talk about that. Um, two two kind of mantras that have that have really emerged, at least in the independent school head world, are really this: cases are inevitable, transmission is preventable. That's kind of the first. So we know cases will happen. Our goal is not to prevent cases; it's to prevent transmission. Mm-hmm. The second thing that has emerged really is. Our job is to mitigate risk, not eliminate risk. So, I mean, they're, they're saying the same thing, but Maria, talk about that for a second. You've been a part of some of the head, head calls mm-hmm. with me um, and seeing what these doctors are sharing, and we'll unpack who they are again in just a moment. But talk about that preventing cases versus transmitting cases or mitigating risk versus eliminating risk. Yeah, you know, one of the things that came up on the call yesterday that we were on was the transmission student to student is what most people are concerned about when we think about re-entering school because that's how hotspots are created you know you look at the cardinals one person brought it in and then it was transmitted to the whole team and the whole team went down for 17 days right. right so that's kind of what it what we mean by transmission um, is that someone comes into the community with covid and then they pass it to someone else in the community Um, And so that's why we take the steps that we do. That's why we're asking parents to make sure that if if their kids are symptomatic in any way that they're keeping them home, because we may not know, it may not be COVID, but we wanna do everything we can to lower the risk, to put on those extra layers to help protect this community. Because we know that, you know, we are still in the same building. And so we know that, you know, transmission may happen right um and that's why we do things like the washing of the hands the the plexiglass keeping in our cohorts all of those things to prevent having to shut the entire school down 
Right. So we're, let's get into the details in just a second. But one thing I want to clarify, because you'll hear the nomenclature of we were on a call. Well, we've all been on calls, right? But um, what we're referencing, just so you know, is being a, a member of the Independent Schools of St. Louis, we are on a call once a week. It's actually every Thursday at 1.30. Um, with two doctors, Jason Newland and Rachel Orschlin, who are infectious disease pediatricians at WashU, who are really the region's top doctors on understanding COVID's impact on 18 and younger. And so we, it's an, it's an open forum. Um, and you can submit questions beforehand. We, we have a relationship with them. And so we're, we're pinging them with questions and they're there just to help. And so the calls last roughly 30 minutes each week, but they give us the latest data. They give us the, the most um, impactful information that, that we need to operate our schools successfully. And so it keeps us on the forefront of the information while also making sure that we have the ear and of experts. So when we say that we're on a call, it's just not you know one person disseminating a lot of information of saying this is what the CDC says, but these are doctors practicing um, who are at the top of their game. So and within our region, right? Which is, um, I mean, not even just region, but city. Like it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and so so we're not looking at what is one hotspot doing and what's one cool spot doing. We're really looking at St. Louis, so I want to I want to preface with that. I think that's really important to to, to color our view of this um, as as we move forward. But let's get into some of the specific things we're doing. We've mentioned the death shields. Uh, you you mentioned um, just some of the things that we've done, but honestly, there are a lot of minutia mm-hmm. um, or, or pieces that have gone into the minutia that that are allowing us to stay open and stay open well. Mm-hmm. So. Maria, why don't you hit a couple of those things, such as sanitizing the playground after every single use and what we're doing and how how we're doing that. Yeah. So, you know, we look at the areas where things are going to be touched by the the most people. And thankfully, the playground is, I mean, the playground is one of those areas, right? It's going to be touched by a lot of people, but it's outside, which is super helpful. And then at the end of each recess, the teachers call about five minutes before all of the kids walk to line up. And then we have one of the teachers on duty spray down with a big giant pump that you use to like kill those weeds. Um, Same idea. Uh, And it's filled with with sanitizing um, cleansing spray that they then spray the playground with. And they do that anytime the playground is used by one of the cohorts. Um, Now, one of the steps that we've taken help further mitigate risk is that we have we allow only one grade to use the playground structure a day and so that helps one keep grades separate and then two it also allows for proper sanitization of those things then when you look at any of the playground equipment that they may use whether that be some of the yard games that we have something like that uh, Catherine uh, Stuffelbaum has gone through and designated different items for each recess. Those are then sprayed down at the end of each recess by her, and another group uses another set of equipment. So not only are we sanitizing them, but they're also not using the same equipment across cohorts. Right. So that is an extra step that we take, uh, recognizing you know that germs happen on surfaces, and whether it be COVID germs or other germs, it's probably a good practice to use just to help prevent the spread of any illness. 
Absolutely. And one of the other things that I would add is at the end of the day, all the dust are sprayed down mm -hmm. and there's a there's a 10 minute rest time that the solution that we use, it's, sa it's food safe. And so we're spraying that down. We're letting that sit. Kids come in the next day and they have a sanitized desk. Um, something else just to consider is that there are a lot of pieces of information that are floating out there. And so how are we choosing uh, what we're hearing and again it goes back to that call that I mentioned we're choosing to use our local experts we're also using three local doctors that are advising the church and school as we share space and some ministry uh, pieces we want to make sure that we're using these guys we're not going just to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or Washington Post or LA Times we're, for whatever articles they may have there's some interesting stuff that comes out but we have to be centrally focused to St. Louis. And so I want to make sure that you understand that because there, there are a lot of different opinions, a lot of theories out there, and we're trying to really disseminate to keep our school open, not to do anything other than that right yeah. now and to keep our kids safe. And we're looking, we're talking to pediatricians. Yes. You know, I think that's a, a really big distinct difference because from what we know right now, COVID impacts people at different ages in different ways. And so we really want to make sure that we're getting information that is accurate to our age range. And I think that's really important as we continue through, you know, the fall and into the, the snotty nose and cold and flu right. season is that we remember that we are going to pediatricians not just general doctors because their bodies respond differently. Absolutely. So a couple of things to point out with that too. You mentioned the high touch points. Uh, we had a family very generously donate us a lifetime supply of wipes that, they're, that they make and it is incredible because we're able to wipe down those high touch points with a, a true uh, kill solution for all these germs um, and we we're able to do that um, instead of you know, using a variety of other things or just hoping for a kill time, which is typically what some folks have to do. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is, as you mentioned, um, for our age group, right, we, this is really interesting. Um, according to children who are displaying, or to local pediatricians, this came out yesterday um, in this call, according to local pediatricians, of children who are displaying COVID-like symptoms, those that have gone and been tested they've only seen a 5% positivity rate. So 95% of the COVID symptomatic tests that are done on children, and they're really looking at 14 and below in this category, only 5% have been positive. That being said, of the 5% that have been positive, they said most of them have had mild symptoms and most of them um, have been have been really bouncing back very quickly. So it's really interesting to see that. That's uh, also very positive, and yes. I would take that as a positive because if you go and you look at the symptoms page on the CDC or the St. Louis County Department of Health, anybody can have a symptom almost <laughs> at any yeah. time, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of crazy, but the ones that have been recommended getting tested, only 5% have, have tested positive. Yeah, and I think one of the points of clarity that I got on that call, you know, some there's been some talk about tier one, tier two symptoms, does this symptom mean more? Um, and, and just help clarifying that, you know, some of the, the symptoms that we may see come through with COVID, that new loss of taste or smell, the coughing, the shortness of breath, uh, those are all the, the ones that, 
you know, we really need to pay attention to. Now, that doesn't mean if your kid has a snotty nose, you know, you should send him to school. But just to help me, even as a parent, realize, like, okay, I don't have to always assume COVID. Right. Um, so that was helpful for me, you know, knowing that those are the more popular common symptoms that you're going to see. And one of the things that they said is there's been a ton of success within the schools that have gone back to school mm-hmm. already. When you think of the number of students that have gone back across St. Louis to the parochial schools, to the to non-sectarian schools, to the religious schools, on and on that goes. They said these parents have done a great job, and we want to applaud our own parents here. They've done an amazing job of keeping kids home when they have any type of symptom. And we have to remember that our kids have not been around other kids. They've not been exposed to germs. Little ones have not been in nurseries. Bigger kids have not been doing a ton of athletics and being in closed spaces. And so we're going to naturally see germs creep up. It's allergy season. There's a lot that our bodies are still trying to get used to and build up that endurance. And so by keeping them home, you're really helping us understand, yeah, it's not COVID. We're not worried about it being COVID if a kid stays home. My daughter stayed home today because she had she had a runny nose. Well, I'm not at all worried about that being COVID for her, but it's still one of the precautions that we have to take, and as frustrating as it is. So parents, keep it up. I, I definitely yeah. want to let you know that that is working. Maria, could you talk for a second about the rates per 100,000? Because that is, that's a huge statistic. Yeah. And I would love just for you to kind of unpack that for a minute. Yeah, so what we learned yesterday, and you may have seen some of this in the news media even this week, but uh, there have been cases amongst schools uh, that are open. So I think as of Tuesday, there are about 75 cases within schools of COVID. That's a combination of students and teachers, which, like you said, considering all of the schools that are in session, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, not that 75 is, a, is great, like, but, but still, considering all of the amount of students that are coming in and out and teachers in and out, 75 is a, is a great, that's a, that's a great number. So what they're seeing across the board that, um, you know, for our age range since school has started, uh, cases are staying pretty consistent not a major drop, not a major increase, um, maybe a slight trajectory downward, but they're staying kind of leveling off, um, which is really encouraging to see. I think out of, you know, right now in the news, the the age range that's really escalating would be college. Um, And so from the information that we're getting, and I know that the county is going to come out with more specific uh, cases, in more specific age ranges today, as far as zero to four, four, and then zero to four, five to 10 and up, um, to provide us with a little bit more information. That's really helpful for us. And when we think about the population that we serve, because a lot of times what happens is a one-year-old is gonna get lumped into 18 and under, Right. right? And that can kind of skew those numbers because an 18-year-old lives a much different life than, I mean, even, you know, our preschoolers or our kindergartners. Well, and that that actually occurred this summer. There Mm -hmm. were, you know, 97,000 cases were reported between, like, June 15th and August 1st. And people were saying, okay, our kids aren't immune. Kids aren't immune. And then when you began to look at the data and unpack that, of the 97,000, an unbelievably high number 
were 15 to the 18 range, and we were realizing that the manifestation of this was, was in the adolescence. Well, that and one of the things that they pointed out yesterday on the call was that we can't, it's, it's to some degree, I mean, we've got to do a lot of work to trace it to see if the transmission actually happened within the school building. Right, because now you have sports that are coming back. Um, it's a holiday weekend, so you may have some barbecues, that type of thing. And so, just even if we do see a rate, you know, increase in our age range, um, they reminded us that those cases are maybe coming from outside of school. And so that's encouraging to me uh, and just thinking that, you know, we are very doing everything that we can to keep this space safe um, and that some of those cases may be coming because of outside activity. Right. Which, again, is, is why we take the steps that we do so that transmission doesn't happen within this building. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, we have to thank our teachers. They oh are gosh. doing an incredible job. They're taking on a lot of extra responsibility. You know, Stuffy's got a, the, the kids out in the front grass, and yeah. that's a lot of work to, to lug all of that equipment and materials out there. Our co-curricular teachers are all in carts, and that is not an easy mm -hmm. way to teach. That's actually very frustrating to do that. I've taught on a cart before. It's not easy, but these teachers are doing, they're living off of a cart. Uh, with that. Um, our classroom teachers are making sure that kids are wearing masks or making sure that the desk partitions are, are, are up, the desk shields that is. They're, they're making sure it's sanitized. They're making sure kids are washing hands. Uh, you know, they're, they're working through lunches. They're finding books that are being read audibly on YouTube with pictures for our kids to have during lunchtime mm -hmm. and during morning time, morning carpool time. There's so many of these little details. Folks, I can't begin to tell you how great they've done. And so if you see your teachers, make sure that you can thank them. I know it, it feels odd because we don't have those carpool moments. We don't have that that personal touch of you know, maybe coming down to the classroom and seeing the teacher. It's different this year. But I promise you that the care and the love is still there, and they're doing an amazing job. Yeah, they are. I applaud them um, and the amount of time and work that they've put into really taking on the weight of the differences, which has been our goal from the beginning, that we would feel as adults, we would feel the weight of the differences and take as much of that from the students as we could. And yeah. they're doing a great job with that. Well, let's go to predictions. That's where we've been. What's coming? What is coming at us? And what do we need to be aware of as we move forward? I know we've, we've talked about a few things, but Maria, what are a few things that immediately pop out? I think we need to realize that the more that we're in a space, the more we're gonna be comfortable, which is great. But at times that level of comfort may mean that we ease some restrictions. I think not intentionally, but just because we kind of get into that mode. Um, and. I think one of the other things that can happen, and I've experienced this even this summer as we've gone through it, is just COVID fatigue. Yeah. You know, we get so tired of masking up and washing our hands and, and staying six feet away and all of those things that just don't feel natural. That we're like, oh, I'm so sick of this. I just, I'm not going to do it. And so I think there's a chance that we could see some of that coming. Um, we know that with a change in season, too, there's usually a change in mood. Um, and so we need to continue to remain um, vigilant in 
keeping our distance and wearing and doing all of the things that we're trying to do. So, um, yeah, I think there, there could be some of that. The more comfort that we find, the more we may see ourselves easing those, those restrictions and rules, but we're going to do our best to make sure that doesn't happen yeah. because our goal is to stay open. You know, in, in mentioning that, the other thing that, that I think about is we forget that there still will be conflict in the classroom that our kids are going to have to be a, a little bit more um, willing to allow resilience to build up. And what I mean by that is we haven't really had those friend moments that mm-hmm. are controversial or we haven't had a teacher breathing down our neck quite the way that they can today, even though they're breathing down our neck with a mask on. Yes. That, that is a big difference. Um, but th- that being said, uh, you know, our kids and as parents and as we partner together, I think we have to remember that you know, a, a look, a word, a phrase, body language is going to be different. And I, I've had to do a little bit of public speaking since the mask ordinance. Reading people with a mask on is very hard. And so for our children to have to do that with their friendships at times is also really hard. So I just give that out as a saying we can also see maybe some of that social piece begin to get a little bit more difficult for our students because of the mask, because of just general fatigue. And, and like you were saying, you know, we're probably going to have some COVID fatigue as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and like we said, you know, this th- first three weeks of school, really after Labor Day, the honeymoon phase typically ends, right? right? And so it becomes normal, but normal doesn't always mean comfortable. Yeah. And so that's something that we've got to keep in mind um, as we come back after Labor Day. Yeah, no, that's that's really well said. Now, as we also look, we can also say there will be other sicknesses. Cold yeah. and flu season will be here, and we will see viruses. We will see kids go home with allergies. We will see kids get tested for COVID, and that is going to be a tough, a tough thing. So, you know, parents, that's where I will say we have heard from day one from a myriad of doctors. You know your kids best. And it's and we're not we're not gonna say, Hey, it's mandated for you to go get a test or it's it's what have you. That that's your decision as a parent. The C D C now says, Hey, go to your healthcare provider. We'd say call your doctor, talk with them before you talk with us. Our big thing is, hey, if they have some symptoms, even if it's not COVID related symptoms, just keep them at home. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's not what our norm has been. Right. Um, we come to work half sick all the time. Yeah. or send our kids half sick. And I realize that's a challenge for some families because of work. And just want to continue to encourage you to take those consideration, um, those things under consideration and those steps in helping prevent, again, not just COVID, but any kind of, of illness, you know, come through this building right. as much as we can. And we appreciate that and know from our end too, if we see a kid sneeze or something like that we're not assuming it's COVID we're not judging the decision we trust you guys we trust the health um healthcare professionals that you trust so yeah continue to be diligent in in assessing those um, symptoms and those needs yeah well parents we're going to wrap it up there uh, but we appreciate it we appreciate your trust we appreciate your support we appreciate your diligence and helping us stay open and just remember that um as those tough tough decisions come your way um, and sending your kid to school, that, that can be tough, but you are helping all of us stay open, um, even when those of us that uh, 
feel fine, we feel fine, and when we feel sick, we need to stay home. And that's, like Maria said, definitely new. But we thank you for that. Thank you for your trust. And if you see a teacher or have a moment, thank them because they are doing a ton of work to keep us open. So have a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.